Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To listen without ads, head over to patreon.com slash right and wrong. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love the it. writing is sort of everything, right? Like you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing so some there. readers love that, and some readers are like, "But I wanted more of this." So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by someone who has worked with a number of big organizations, including McSweeney's, The Believer, Noon, and Tor, to name a few. But now. She is a published author with her debut, Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind, coming out last year in the US. And as of this airing, it will be out in the UK. It's Molly McGee. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Oh, an honor, a pleasure, a gift. I'm happy to be here. Lots to cover. Let's start with the book, Jonathan Abernathy, You Are Kind. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, you know what? It's really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the best picture I've heard. <laughs> that's how I'm going to start off. Uh, it's okay. about a guy who he's got a lot of debt. Um, he finds himself trapped, which I think is a little relatable right now. Like a bunch of people feel this way. Yeah. And he gets the strangest invitation to sort of join um, a dream auditing or, well, he doesn't know that at the time, but he gets the strangest invitation to join like this workforce. And once he's there, he realizes he has to go into the dreams of other people and remove the things that make them anxious or depressed. And of course, that ends up going horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could be the concluding line to any pitch to any story. And of course, <laughs> yes. everything goes wrong. <laughs> everything goes wrong. But you know what? There's some laughter around along the way, but there's mm-hmm. also some tears. <laughs> yeah. Much like life. Much like life. It's such an interesting premise. And like you said, it's one of those things that is sort of, oddly relatable like i feel like it is it is quite on the zeitgeist at the moment um and you it's one of the things that makes you ask questions that really only kind of speculative um Mm. near future fiction can Mm -hmm. where did this concept like come from what was it that you kind of were like this is an interesting thing and i want to explore it you know this is where i'm gonna sound a little american um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, this concept came to me through a series of anxiety dreams, um, nightmares. And I was having these nightmares. I was perhaps, uh, in some financial straits and I was having these nightmares on a nightly basis. And the only way that I could get them to stop was sort of to write it down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think there may be some subconscious (laughs) things going on around my relationship with money. Uh, But to me, I mean, that sort of, I don't know, that anxiety around 
money and living has just always been such a, a prevalent theme in my life that has really impacted everybody around me. So when the dreams started happening, I wasn't really surprised to be having them, you know? It was really um, the act of the fact that writing it down got rid of the dreams that surprised me the most. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it's actually, it's quite a sort of personal um, story where the, the whole concept comes from. Yeah. I think there's a lot of weird, you know, you can't always control how things come out of you as a writer, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think the myth is that you can choose what type of writer you're going to be. And if I had my druthers, you know, I would be just a very research focused writer. And I do have that element in my craft. Like I read a lot and I especially read a lot of science texts. Okay. For me though, like it, without the personal, the story can't be universal. So you have to go to a lot of places that are kind of scary to write it. Like some of your darkest places have to be explored to write a book. So I kind of think, hey, you know what? I think a lot of writers are fibbers when they're saying if their books aren't personal. I think they just don't want to talk about it. And and, and a lot of with a lot of debut novels as well, it's very it's very clear that it's largely sort of um, pseudo autobiographical, like that the, mm. they're t retelling something from their actual life. I don't know if it's pseudo autobiographical for me. Like that, hey, if that. If I went in there, that would be a little crazy, um, <laughs> you know, but for me, I think like with anything, when you're writing it, you have to imagine correlations or moments where you felt a certain way or you knew somebody else felt a certain way. And mm -hmm. that's when, you know, extensive reading can come in handy. There are definitely some like moments, apexes that happened in other books that I was thinking about when I was writing this book. But I don't know, art is weird and we always try to <laughs> classify it or make it sound like it's one thing or another. And um, the artist is always selling you the art. So it's, I'm an unreliable narrator of how it's made. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And as a, as a concept, it's, it reminds me a lot of um, Severance, the you know, television show. When that show came out, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Because <laughs> you come at it from like, a very different angle. It's it's I more know. just like the subject area is is kind of uh, parallel. I haven't seen it because I'm petty. Okay, but uh, what I'll say is like, hey, it feels weird to work on something for three years and then like a huge <laughs> show come out about it and be like, well, that's, yeah, that's the, that's just I feel like it's an inevitability. I was talking to it some is. of my writer friends just the other day, and they were saying, yeah, you can you start writing something, you look up to see if anyone else has done anything similar. They haven't. As soon as you finish it, you'll see five like television series and books that come out that are really similar. <laughs> yes. No, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't think my book is too similar, like tonally. No, and it's atmospherically, it's very different. And it also is really concerned with sort of different things. Like I would say the show is about entertainment and social commentary. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about my book like it's social commentary. But I think of it more as a place for reflection. Like the book itself is a place to go in and and just think really deeply without having any answers sort of forced upon you yeah. sometimes like 
the shows that are like straight up political or have very obvious messaging. I'm not saying Severance is one of those shows because I'm sure it's beautiful and wonderful. And a lot of people who like I can tell you it is (laughs) conceptually very different in that yours is about dreams. Severance is about basically splitting your mind in two. So you have two personalities Mm. and one can't Mm. remember the other and one does all the work and one gets all the recreation. Ah, I see. Yeah. It's more just like the setting of it and like Uh, the idea of us as a society optimizing workers. Yeah. You know, Hey, I think any of us can look around and see that we're doing that. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. we just don't have the technology that like you're exploring to like Mm. go kind of dark with it yet. Yet. (laughs) Yet. I'm sure Amazon are working on it. (laughs) No, actually, you know what? Did you see, um, they like six weeks after my book came out in the U S they announced a startup. There's a startup where you can work through lucid dreaming. (laughs) I was like, guys, don't do this. I promise it's not going to (laughs) work the way you want it to. (laughs) They read your book and they were like, I've got an idea. (laughs) They were like, I have the most brilliant Silicon Valley idea to ever exist. (laughs) Okay. That's terrifying. It's oh, like yeah. the, you you read kind of classic speculative fiction and like see so you see some of it actually coming to life now and you're like oh no this is it was a warning guys it wasn't a how to <laughs> yes what's that tweet that's like I read the famous book the Terminal Nexus about how Terminal Nexuses are bad and now I'm starting a company called Terminal Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay yeah uh, I don't yeah. know it's like comic book super villain shit <laughs> yes yeah it is and, and yeah it's like the squid games right the squid game yeah. show which is actually a drama about like um classism and, and like the struggle of of people in, in the society and then they then they made the real life squid games like game show as uh, just a you huge, know what like... <laughs> i'm so boring i don't watch a lot of tv i hear <laughs> okay. about it you know and people tell me this stuff and i'm like what are they going to come up with next? Like, I let's see. <laughs> well, they're waiting for you to write your next book so that, so that they can just so. use that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get back onto the book. Uh, okay. As we've talked about, it, it is a sort of um, innately dark premise. It, we are looking at the sort of darker side mm. of what where humanity can go and things like that. But thought-provokingly so, do you think it's important because you do have it is funny. You do have humor in there. Do you think it's important with these kinds of things, these relatable introspective things to have that layer of humor? Mm. See, but here's where we get into nitty gritty craft questions mm-hmm. because my motive for writing might be different than other people's motive for writing. I am really, really interested in sort of the, the mental spaces that reading can put us into. And I'm especially interested in them from sort of, I don't want to say, let's say a cathartic perspective. Um, So one of my motivations in writing is to, you know, lull the reader into a sense of rhythm and pattern and comfort so that they can think about some of the things that are happening in our society that are almost too stressful or too large to look at 
head on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so to yeah. me, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a professor at Columbia. And one of the things that I think about a lot is like, it's not necessarily whether the material is interesting or not interesting. What really motivates my student to learn something is when they feel safe learning it. And so humor can be a really great way to be like, Hey, you know what this is? Like, it's a little, let's just say I put the black in black comedy, you know? Um, (laughs) But I do think humor is important. I, you know, I think moving through life and having a sense of humor about it is such a weird experience. So you, you got to laugh and it just seems like writing a book void of humor would be a really poor way of sort of like exploring the world because the world is so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even at its darkest times, it's uh, it's about finding. I, know. Humor. I mean, Jamie, we just spent 10 minutes talking about an Apple TV show that came out, you know, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> That you've that never is, seen. That I've never <laughs> seen. You know, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. It is funny. And like, you know, it's funny for me to like spend like five years, six years on something and then um, come out with it and then watch all this stuff happen. Like, that's kind of funny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah, weird, yeah. but you just never know. And so I think humor, for me, humor and horror are very closely related. They're both about timing. Um, okay. And so when you're playing with one, you're playing with the other. It's like when you are, when you're lighting a film, you know, you're not just thinking what spots do I want to have lit? You're thinking what spots do I want to have in shadow? And then you're Mm -hmm. choosing how to contrast those elements for maximum effect. Right. Like use of negative space. Yes, exactly. And you do, you do that with language too, you know, like really to me, writing a book seems like knowing what shouldn't be there, you know, knowing what needs to be left out. Those, those are such wise words as, as someone who's, you know, writing and and written and like knows a lot of people who are writing. And I speak to lots of people who are writers looking to kind of break into the industry that mm. I think is, I've never heard it phrased in, from that direction, but like, yeah, knowing what not to put, I think is such an incredible and, and unsung skill. It is. It's really hard because it requires a lot of editorial work, you know, like um, just a lot of, I, when I'm doing my process, I write my first draft and then I rewrite it like seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time I'm going through and I'm removing things or, um, realizing like, Hey, the things that are in here are obfuscating the main patterns of the books, the main, the main thematics of the novel. So, uh, it's really just about like, it's about creating and then it's about calling. And it's about knowing what to call. It's about knowing Mm -hmm. and being confident enough to say, okay, we don't need that bit as opposed to sort of, if you, if you weren't sure and you cut something and then you realize later on, it's caused a lot of issues. Yes. I think a lot of writers get into the weeds when they're thinking about how books are supposed to be, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But really, the word novel is is important. You know, it means new. It means new experience. And I think really like 
there are so many ways a novel can be. Part of the joy of being an artist is to make the novels that you want to see. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And speaking of editorial, and you have you you you've worked as an editor. You've worked in editorial. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you did before you were sort of thinking about writing your own novel, or have you always been writing your own novel and you just were doing editorial at the same time as that? I was always writing, and writing okay. was always my end goal. Um, but I really love editorial work. I, I find editing so satisfying because. I really, really love teaching and I love, you know what I mean? It's just so, the writing is such a lonely process Mm -hmm. that it feels so wonderful to meet a fellow enthusiast and to really get in their head and see how they see the novel, what they want to bring forward, and then helping them get to the point where they feel confident in doing so. I think a lot of editorial work is just convincing the writer that they can get away with what they want to get away with and building supports for them to, to be ambitious, but it can be tough. You know, it's, it's, I like the process of editing, but I don't know if I like the sort of professionalization of editing. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. With this novel, when you went to, and you're, you, you have a literary agent, you're signed with Angeline Rodriguez at WME. It's true. Would you, when you signed with her, is she very editorial? Did you kind of go back and forwards on on this project before you sent it out to editors? See, Jamie, this is where I reveal myself to be even more finicky than I've already revealed <laughs> myself to be. <laughs> like your listeners are listening, they're like, "Who is this asshole?" Like, <laughs> um, you know, I I am really, really, really intentional and really picky about what goes on the page and. So no, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily think that like, I'm not really a, how do I want to put it? I could do the line level editing myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I will say is like the best part of my experience putting this book out was working with Kishani at Fourth Estate. She's just a brilliant editor because she, to me, understands like the core tenets of editing, which is just asking questions. Um, and so she just asked me, I think she only asked me five questions, but they were just so perfectly asked that they allowed me to delve into, you know, the puzzle that was writing this book and really think about it from a new angle that, uh, was a really enjoyable angle to unlock. So for me, I think everybody prefers to be edited differently, but because my work is so conceptual and so emotionally based in terms of like the choices that I'm making on a linguistic level, um, I find that questions can be the most helpful. I Yeah, I completely agree. Because then also, like you said, a, a lot of an editor's job is to basically convince the author that they can get away with the thing they want to try and do. And yes. asking a question is not confrontational. Uh, no, it's, it's like, not. It's like, a, what did you think about this? And then you can, it's, you know, like with your book, it's you're trying to encourage self-reflection, but on the writing as opposed to the person. Yeah. Even if it was confrontational, you know, if I, if she, I, I don't think she would ever do this, but you know, if I had an American <laughs> editor who was like, Molly, what the fuck are you doing on page 68? 
I'd be like, that is a great question. What am I doing at age 68? <laughs> so I don't know if the confrontational aspect of editing bothers me very much. I have a history of like, I, I work pretty well with big personalities. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't take things super personally or I try not to, but I just, I can, I can be really stubborn because I know what the book is when I set out to write the book. To me, it feels like I'm translating it. And so I use this really bad metaphor when I'm teaching my undergraduates, which is, um, have you ever seen the one TV show I've ever watched? House MD. Yes. <laughs> with Hugh yeah, with Laurie. And Hugh Laurie. <laughs> yes, Laurie, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, well, maybe I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with the concept. Uh, and you know how, like, <laughs> you know how uh, he's got a team of people. Mm-hmm. And all they do is they research the subject. They're like, here's what I think is going on. They pitch it to him. And he's just like, he listens, you know, he's like, okay, sure. Um, he doesn't listen very well, but he listens. No. Uh, no. And then he goes, you're all wrong. Uh, it's not the fever. It's not the cough. It is actually, you know, I broke into her house and it's mold in her bathroom. Yes. It's always something like so extra. Um, and I think of the writer sort of as the, the house figure, you know, you're the writer is an addict to telling their story. Only the writer knows how it's going to come out. Um, Only the writer knows what they're fully capable of. Their job, no matter how uncomfortable, is to hear the people around them and figure out if they're describing symptoms or illness. Because if they're describing symptoms, your job is to find that moment where they disconnected from the text. Uh, And it's very rarely that, you know, someone who isn't the author I think can find the the root cause of why things are. We all have our ideas, but art is very mercurial and chaotic. Uh, it's a very difficult balance to bring something to life. Yes, no, I that makes so much sense. When you when you say it as yeah, you're looking for you need to know that people are describing symptoms, but you need to find the actual yes. know, the, the cause of the symptoms not you the can't cause. just patch all the symptoms because it will keep happening yes that's exactly so it's like the author's job is to bring life to the text and your text isn't going to have a very long life if you you know publish it and it's exhibiting all these symptoms that people are going to you know notice so i don't know if that's a maybe very 21st century way of thinking about it but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, it rings true for me, anyway. How I'm thinking about it, I think it also ties back to what we were talking about earlier when we were saying how, well, you said how it, it's very important for an author to know what not to put. And sometimes, mm-hmm. when your editor is asking questions or people are, you know, people are proofreading it or something like that, and they they say something that can actually highlight to you something where it's like, oh, maybe that is a section that I sh- that shouldn't be there, that, that I have. That's mm-hmm. something that I don't want to write. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think it's all so personal. It's such a weird thing to do. It's, yeah. Writing is just really weird. It's all about patterns, you know, and balance. Um, mm-hmm. I personally am really interested in the holistic, you know, like the full picture. Uh, I think, sort of we as a society have been plagued by dualism a little too long. 
So I think that I can mix like high and low, funny and sad, or at least that's my goal, right? To sort of Mm -hmm. bring extremes into harmony. Yeah, I think you're you're quite right. I think you've hit the nail on the head with that one. Maybe a little too, maybe a little too grief forward with this one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to write what you're feeling and what you know and what you want to to share. You know. Uh, and I got to do some really great like research and work and thinking about sort of our the state of affairs on conceptual macro mm-hmm. level. Yeah. interesting and i think yeah i feel like you might agree that there's a a lot of it um for writers i think will come down to the writer um having knowing what their expectations are and what they want to achieve with their writing you know whether you want to write something that is just sort of un, unashamedly you and sort of untouched or if you want to it, it, that's quite a different goal from writing something that you say oh, i actually want this to be a commercial success right uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever, I ever was under any illusion there. <laughs> uh, I've been in the business too long, you know. Mm-hmm. I think every writer has different motivations for writing. And like anyone, whatever they tell you their motivation is, that's, it's probably going to be missing some, missing some things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something I've noticed, like I, tend to be very uncomfortable in interviews. I'm sure you guys can tell. <laughs> and so uh, I tend to like say things that downplay my writing experience or whatever and make light of it. And you know what, Jamie, I do that in every single aspect of my life and it's a huge problem. But no one will ever, you know, hey, that's what's going to be the thing that's said. People who can get out there and, and spin a pretty story about how they wrote their story you know, like how it's like the greatest achievement since the beginning of man and how this is the (laughs) next great American novel. You know, I feel, I feel almost like in awe. I feel proud of them. Okay. Good for you. Well, I, I, I wouldn't have noticed that you, you, you were being uh, withheld in, in this interview. And I think you telling us about your that you know the dreams that kind of inspired the concept of your novel there's there's a great authenticity to that and i think you okay, can never, so. you can never overlook uh, the power of authenticity we're trying you know it's so <laughs> weird cuz writing is such a private personal thing and it's something you yeah. do for hours and hours alone and you take you enter almost like i at least i enter a type of flow or fugue state Mm-hmm. Um, and you make decisions intuitively based off all of your education up to that point. You know, it's like an artist sort of knows that green and purple, you know, go together and certain and create certain effects. So yeah. it could be interesting yeah. to examine it from the other side with third parties who are charming and lovely and very nice. <laughs> well, I think this you, you throughout this interview you have been charming and lovely and very nice and that does bring us to to the the final question of of the episode which uh, as always is Molly if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book which book do you hope that it would be 
Okay. See, I was, you, Hey, you asked me this question over email prepping me a little bit <laughs> and I'm going to be totally honest. I thought about lying. I was like, okay. Ooh, I could give a really good answer where I sound a fancy like, of not fancy, but where I sound way cooler than I am, you right, know, right. but I decided to be honest. And, um, my answer is it really embarrassing. I would bring an encyclopedia. <laughs> okay. No, I like that. <laughs> I would bring an encyclopedia set. I have, you know what? Like, I, can, I think it counts as one book. I could fit it on an iPad or a phone. Okay. Um, and I would have a great time reading that until the end of the world. <laughs> just just learning about all of the things, just, all of the random little things. I just love, I love learning and what else will I be doing? I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if I don't know if that's like the answer you wanted, I could give you a novel, but I would no, probably great. feel really dumb if I had one opportunity to bring a book. And I was like, I'm going to bring my favorite book. Um, <laughs> what if my answer was um, the third policeman, Flan O'Brien? I bring that to an island. Like that seems okay. <laughs> if you had to take a novel, that's the novel you would take. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but I'm saying it would be very, um, in, very impractical choice. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I would have a great time, but it would be very impractical. <laughs> okay, well, that's, uh, well, that's great. I mean, we've had, honestly, over 150 plus episodes, we have had all sorts of books and like lots of novels, as you'd expect, but also like lots of unusual books, like um, the Argos catalog has come up. Um, I've had like dictionaries, I had a cooking book, mm -hmm. I think. Mm. You know, all sorts, all sorts. I love Authors that. Are... But if I'm stranded on an island, a dictionary. Yeah. yeah. I think I could get more work out of like understanding how, you know, screws were made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think we've also had the um, original language uh, romance of the three kingdoms. And the goal mm. was to learn, somehow just infer how to translate that into English. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a really good answer, actually. Um, yeah. No, I would want a whole encyclopedia set and I would cheat and I would say they're one book and <laughs> I would die very happily having spent all of my days reading about the world that I left behind. You'd be so knowledgeable about completely random things. And you know what would be e the most satisfying part of it, Jamie, is it would just be for me. <laughs> yeah. No I would else, just, just get to you. know everything um that we know to a certain extent you know uh, and i yeah. would just be on an island and i would get to think about it without the pressure of like responding to it and that sounds amazing that sounds like true uh, like a true opportunity for contemplation yes ultimate freedom and on that note mm -hmm. um thank you so much molly uh, for coming on the podcast, telling us all about your writing and your and your book and your and your kind of uh, wild approach to to stories and all of that, it's been it's been really really fun chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Molly is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Molly McGee or on Instagram at McGee Molly, or you can head over to her website MollyMcGee.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok on Facebook. You can support the show on Patreon and for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Molly and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. 